My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Coming back from, gosh, what, three weeks? It wasn't three weeks of vacation, but I, I did miss three Sundays. Jason Dunbar preached twice for me. Man, that dude is awesome. I loved hearing him preach. Warren Weeks preached for me. Warren Weeks is the man. I am blessed to serve alongside these guys, and, uh, and I know that you were in good hands. But thank you, church, for allowing me and Casey that, that time away. I was on the beach. I was completely socially distanced. I really was. I really was. Uh, I, I was there under my umbrella for two weeks, and I didn't, I didn't get close to a soul, and I loved it. It was just fantastic. But it's good to be back, very, very good to be back. So uh, welcome uh, all of you on Facebook Live, all of you church folks. I miss you so much. Last Sunday, we had about 200, a little bit short of 200 in uh, three different rooms, <laughs> and so we're finally uh, making our way back. Uh, that's uh, less than a third of what we would be used to before all of this happened, but we're going to get back. Those of you who are still worshiping at home, uh, you are faithful, and, and I don't want you to feel any sort of pressure or guilt. You stay home if that's what's best for you, but as, but, but as for those of you who are beginning to get out and, and feel safe to get out, uh, you've got a place here at church, so uh, we, we welcome you back. Open your Bibles to Psalm 15. Psalm chapter 15, we are, I, I did that, y'all, it's, it's, uh, it's beach brain, uh, somehow, I, I, I did that. Starting a new sermon series entitled Relationship Goals, Jason Dunbar started it for me last week, he did an amazing job. I know that some of you are thinking, why are we talking about dating, isn't that just for teenagers? No, what is your problem? No, no. Half of the U.S. population is single, half of the U.S. population, and a good part of our church Understand, it's single. As a pastor, I spend a lot of my time doing marriage counseling. And so it's taken me 24 years to figure this out, but I've now sort of figured out if I spend a little more time on the front end, trying to help people get ready, uh, get ready to make the kind of commitment that, that makes for a health, healthy, lasting marriage, I spend a little more time up front, maybe I'll spend a little less time on the backside once people begin to struggle. So I really do think it's time well spent in trying to speak to those who are in this particular phase of life. We're speaking about relationships in general, so there's always wisdom to apply to everybody's particular situation, but we really are focusing this morning on those who are in that dating phase of life. I won't ask you to show your hand if you are uh, on the market, I guess, these days for a date. Uh, but if you are, God bless you. I got a sermon for you. Uh, I'll just start in Proverbs chapter 30. This is honestly one of my favorite verses. I just think this is so beautiful, so very beautiful. Is it my beach brain or is this just a whole lot to look at on that screen right now? Here we go. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 18 and 19. This verse is unbelievable. Look at this. There are Three things that amaze me. No, four things that I don't understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship in the heart of the sea, and the way of a man with a woman. Is that not good? Is that not just good? Three things that amaze me. No, four things I don't understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship in the heart of the sea, and the way of a man with a woman. <laughs> I tell you, back in the day, I had, this man had a way with women. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, Casey, thanks for that. Yeah, that is such a lie, y'all. Oh, guys, I, 
I was a dumpster fire of awkwardness and stupidity uh, back in the dating day. I, I really, really was. It is only by the grace of God and a really, really good, gracious woman that, that, that I am a married man today. I'm telling you, I, I had no game. I had no nothing. But, but I did end up dating a lot of girls. Turns out there must be just a lot of girls, you know, out there who will go out with mostly anybody. And so they've, they've, I found them. And uh, honestly, there are things I wish somebody had told me. But back in my day, I, I don't think I ever, ever heard a pastor in my life give any sort of word of instruction, any kind of biblical wisdom or knowledge for dating. I, I never heard it. They never spoke. In the church that I grew up in and in all the sermons I ever heard, I never one time heard a pastor address sexual issues from the pulpit. I never heard people talk about sex at church, which as a young person only made me think that you all didn't know anything about it. I mean, if, if the whole world's talking about it except for, you know, the church, young people just assume that the church either doesn't know or has nothing to say. And, and I'm just afraid that in our day and age, we cannot afford to be silent on these issues. We just simply cannot. So Proverbs chapter 30, I, I love it. I mean, this is the word of God. This is, you know, Solomon, the wise man, who says, I don't understand men and women. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it either. I mean, he's wise, but there's just something about romance. There's something about a way with a woman and a man that Solomon says, I don't get it. I can't describe it. I, I don't understand it in a and I suppose that romance has always been beautiful and amazing and, uh, and somewhat confusing, but especially today. Oh my goodness, this is Solomon back whenever saying, I don't understand men and women. And, and, and since his day, now we got you know, social media and, and we got the whole texting thing, which makes things crazy. Uh, we've got like now, I think, 24 seasons of The Bachelor and 15 seasons of The Bachelorette. I mean, this hasn't helped anything. I mean, none of this has helped anything. And so now, young people, uh, anyone coming up in, in this day and age trying to figure out the way of a man with a woman and also trying to do it from a, from a Christian perspective, trying to be godly, trying to figure out what the Bible would say, how Christ instructs us in relationships, it, it's really, really difficult, very difficult, and it's only gotten harder. Now, Jason Dunbar last week gave us an amazing definition of dating, and I love it. Jason said dating is not a status. So it's not just like on Facebook or, you know, where you say, you know, it's, you know so-and-so is in a relationship. It's more than a status. It's a process. It's a process. It's an evaluation process where, honestly, you're looking for a person who has two things. Say this word, character. Looking for character before God and chemistry with you. So it's an evaluation process. You're looking for two things. You're looking for a person with character before God and chemistry with you. Now, I want to spend some time today, tonight, talking about the character part because this really, really matters. And I would insist this is, this is the key right here. If somebody had told some of you this a long time ago, you could have saved a whole lot of mess. So I'm telling you now, let's talk about character. Open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 15. Psalm chapter 15. Now, it's not like, you know, this is the dating psalm, or, you know, I'm going to turn to the dating passages. There, there are no dating passages in the Bible. There is no dating song. Can I just tell you, there is no dating in the Bible. There was no such thing. It was a different culture. 
You don't find anything like what we do today in the Word of God. So there aren't any verses that, you know, that, that talk about dating, per se. But there's always wisdom in God's Word, and there are always principles. Principles of truth, principles of, of, of morality and, and love. And, and these are the principles that we look for and apply in our Christian lives. So Psalm 15 is not really a, a, a dating chapter, but it is a character chapter. And for that reason, it has much to teach us. Let's look. Five verses. This is good. Psalm chapter 15. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? All right, questions. Now here's the answer. Verse 2. Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. Those who speak the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord. Those who keep their promise even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and, and those who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. It's character right there. Psalm 15 is a, a beautiful short psalm that is actually a sort of a list of character traits that belong to those who belong to the Lord. So we're talking about here the, the, the kind of character traits that are reflected in the lives of those who are in a relationship with the Lord. So you with me? These are relational qualities, and they come from relationship with the Lord. So you're saying, well, what's that got to do with dating? If these are characteristics in relationship to God, then how does this have anything to say about my relationships with other people, and I'm so glad you asked. I'm just really, really glad you asked because what you really need to understand is it's the relationship with God that comes first. It's relationship with God comes first. I, I know it's hard when you're single, and I know that there are people out there in the world who are so desperately single. They've been waiting for somebody for so long, just so long. I mean, when you're a teenager, there, there seems to be all kinds of fish in the sea, and you don't get anxious about it. But then at some point down the road in your 20s, in your late 20s, in your 30s, in your late 30s, in your 40s, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that there comes a point where you can become absolutely desperate, absolutely convinced that maybe there's nobody at all. And so you can become very, very consumed. Will I ever find anybody? Is there anybody out there for me? And I just want to simply remind you, that the relationship that should concern you always first is your relationship with the Lord. You start there. That is the relationship that should consume you. That is the relationship that needs to be your focus. You may find a lady out there one day, fella, but I'm telling you right now, you need to focus on your relationship with the Lord. And those who are in relationship with the Lord, they begin to reflect his qualities, they begin to reflect his character, and this is what Psalm 15 is all about. These are the character traits of those who belong to the Lord. So here's what you need to know. You must get your relationship with God right before you can ever get a relationship with a guy or a girl right. This is where it begins. It's the relationship with the Lord. I mean, it's all through Scripture, and I'm assuming I'm speaking primarily to Christians who know the Word of God, 1 John chapter 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. 
And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. See, God is the source of love. He is love. And if you want to know anything about love, I'm telling you, you don't learn by watching The Bachelor. You don't learn by going out on lots and lots and lots of dates. That's not how you learn about love. You're not going to be the doctor of love like you think just because you date a whole lot of girls. That's not how any of this works. You must get your relationship with God right before you can ever get a relationship with a guy or a girl right. Y'all with me? That's why I always say that relationship problems are spiritual problems. I'm not sure anybody ever really understands that. But relationship problems are always spiritual problems. Those of you who are married, if you've ever gone through a season of marital problems, that was a spiritual issue. It boils down to this. One or the other or neither of you knows how to love like Jesus. That was the problem. It's always the problem. When you have two people who love like Jesus, who are growing to be more and more like Jesus, I'm telling you, that's where you find a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship requires two healthy people. Is that not the most obvious thing in the world I could say? A healthy relationship requires two healthy people. I mean, you wonder why your dating life is so messed up. I'm telling you, it's got something to do with this right here. You're looking for a healthy relationship, a lasting relationship. And I'm telling you, that only comes. It only comes when your spiritual life is healthy. Spiritual problems are relational, always. Because God is a God of love. I mean, all of these things just come together right here in, in your relational life. A healthy relationship requires two healthy people. We're not always healthy. You know, I, I, I laughed about my dating life, which I mean, is laughable, I promise you. Um, for the most part, I was a pretty good guy. I, I could bring all the old girlfriends back and let them tell stories, I guess. Um, I, 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 I tried to live for the Lord all my life. I've never been perfect. In my younger days, I was, I was very immature. I didn't know that, but I was an idiot. I loved Jesus, but I was an idiot. I just was. In my relationships with girls in my, in my dating life, um, I, I tried to put Jesus first. I, I did. I, I dated Christian girls for the most part. I understood the importance of my own purity and the purity of the girls I was with, so I always saved sex for marriage. So I never had those regrets. The thing is, though, I'm telling you this, whoever you are, wherever you are, especially young people, just listen to Papa here, the world is smaller than you have any idea. It's just a really, really small world. And all these girls that you date in your life, they don't go away. Like, you'd be running into them at Kroger, Walmart, you know, 20, 30 years later. You know, I'm a pastor. I've been here 24 years, y'all. Like, I've had old girlfriends walk in. Like, I don't point them out and go, I dated her. I mean, I don't do that. That's awkward, you know. But I'm preaching in my hometown, you all. I'm preaching in my hometown. And so there are girls that I dated. I mean, I've been married to this woman, to Casey. but We've been married for 32 years. <laughs> Happily, 
32 years. But, but I'm telling you, time goes by quickly, and the world is very, very small. And, uh, and I'm thankful in a way that, that, that I don't have to be embarrassed to face these women. You know, when they walk in now and, and, and I see them, I meet their husbands and I, I know their kids and, and often these are, these are people that I've been friends with now for years and years and years. So you just understand that as long as you treat them as Christian brothers, Christian sisters, then, then you don't have to go through your life with regrets. I'm just trying to help you understand. Healthy relationship requires two healthy people and, and none of us is perfect. And I've never been altogether mature and, and, and I'm still learning and growing and you are as well. I mean, all we can be is on the path. But I'm just trying to help you understand that, that, that these relationships are always spiritual. It's, it's always spiritual. And your spiritual life, it, it can't be any more or less healthy than your relational life. I mean, these things are connected. It's probably why some of us have so much trouble in dating. I mean, some of us are just so very desperate. Others of us avoid dating. I mean, some of you right now, you're lonesome, you love to be with somebody, but dating is just something, you know, just the idea of being out there terrifies you. You avoid it altogether. Maybe you're just sort of hoping that the right person will just sort of land on your porch or, or, or show up on Facebook. I don't think any of it works this way. Good luck to you on that. Some of us... Um, have this dream girl or this, this dream, this, this idea, this perfect man, this, this perfect woman. And, and, and we're fascinated with that, that perfect person. Sometimes it's a real person. I mean, there are people who fall in love with somebody that, that may not even know they're alive and they can stay in love and, and sort of wait for that person to notice them for years and years and years and years. And I don't know about that. You know, and others of you, it's just this ideal person that probably doesn't exist at all, but you're not going to settle for anybody but this perfect person who's probably not out there. Understand how all this gets complicated? Some of us are, are kind of like you know, the join of gains of the dating world. You're always looking for a fixer-upper. In other words, you kind of always fall for a loser with potential. You fall in love with the idea that you could fix them up, that you could rescue this loser, you know? So here he is, he hadn't worked in 10 years, he doesn't have, you know, two pennies to rub together, you know, but, but somehow you think you're going to swoop in there and, and, and by your love, you're going to change him, you know? He's been with, you know, all the women in the world and he ain't never changed, but he's going to change for you. I mean, Joanna Gaines of the dating world, you're going to fix him up. Understand how dissatisfying and frustrating this must be. I mean, some of us, we sort of go from person to person to person. We, we fall in love really fast, or it feels like love. And, and man, at first it's just thrilling until the thrill is gone, and then the love is gone, and then we're gone. And we just leave this long, long series of, of, of people. You know what I'm talking about? Do I need to go on? Some of you fall for the same kind of person every time. It's never good. You fall for a person who will never treat you well. You fall for a person who will never truly love you. You, you fall for a person who will mistreat you and take you for granted, take advantage of you. You get hurt every time, but somehow you go right back out there and you find the very same kind of person and you just replay it on repeat over and over and over. Understand, none of this is healthy. 
And I've just described the dating world out there. Like, like one way or the other, almost everybody you know is, is in the categories that I just described. It's not healthy. It's not good. It's, it's desperate and it's difficult. And I'm just telling you, we're, we're the people of God. We're not like the world. We have a source, a source of love. We, we know what love is. We know where love comes from. We know what it costs. So a healthy relationship requires two healthy people, and we're talking all kinds of health, physical health, financial health, emotional health, but spiritual health. You cannot have healthy relationships when you're not spiritually healthy. It's just how it works. We're talking about a God of love here. So your goal is to let Christ make you into the kind of person that pleases him. Christ does this. Now, you read Psalm chapter 15, and I'm telling you, I mean, the first characteristic in verse 2 is blameless, which kind of means perfect. Those who lead blameless lives, and right out of the gate, we're thinking, well, nobody's perfect. I mean, if perfection is the standard for being in relationship with God, then, then which one of us is going to have a relationship with God? Well, see, I'm so glad you asked, because that's where the gospel comes in. There is no one who is righteous, no, not one. You understand that? But God proved his love for us, and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. God knows that we can't be blameless. He knows that we can't be perfect. That's why God himself came down, took on flesh, and paid the price so that we could become like him, so that we be could become these things. This doesn't describe who I am right now, but it does describe who I'm trying to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. You with me? You understand? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. They speak the truth from sincere hearts. So refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors. You understand, Christ is remaking me into the kind of person that pleases him. My goal is to please him. My goal is to love him. And that's your goal too. You don't go out there trying to dress up to please a man. After trying to change yourself to please a woman, why don't you just work on letting Christ change you in a way that'll please him? That's your goal. This is your aim. We're Christians. We're believers. Christ is what matters to us. He is our life. It's not our love life. It's, it's our faith life. It's our Christian life. Your goal is to let Christ make you into the kind of person that pleases him. You just try to be a person that pleases Jesus. You just love Jesus. You live for Jesus. But guess what? As he does this work in your life, as he changes you to be the kind of person that pleases him, you begin to become the kind of person that is very attractive to other people who live for Christ and love Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? It's amazing how it works. But other people who love Jesus and are running after Christ, you become very, very attractive to them. You don't do it by trying to be attractive to them. You do it by trying to live to please Jesus. You put Jesus first. So here's the thing. Let Christ make you into the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Y'all think that's a typo, don't you? Let Christ make you into the kind of person that the person you're looking for. Okay, stop right there. You know, you know ladies are saying, man, I just want to find a good man, a good Christian man. Where's all the good Christian men? But you go out there, you know, on Friday night, you know, and, and you're, you're dating like a floozy. And I just want you to know that all the good Christian men are not attracted to floozies. If you're really looking for a good Christian man, then, then understand, let Christ make you the kind of woman that a good Christian man will be attracted to. Is this helping? Are y'all mad at me? 
Is floozy a bad word? Should I not say floozy? I didn't know what word to use. Honestly, I, I, I didn't. I don't have a big vocabulary for these things. Uh, guys who say, I just want a good Christian woman. just want a good Christian woman. But then, let's be honest, you're not exactly the kind of man that a good Christian woman would be attracted to. You see, you let Jesus take over your life. You let Jesus begin to work and let him make you into the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. And uh, it, it looks like this, you guys. Verse 2, those who lead blameless lives. The Hebrew there says walk straight, those who walk straight. You know, like I said, I don't know that I've ever walked completely straight a day in my whole life. But I hope that by the power of Jesus in me, I'm, it, it, it's getting straighter. I, mean, I want to be on the path. And it's all we can say that, that we're on the path by the power and grace of Jesus. But, but I'm telling you, you want to be a person on the path. And, and, and for God's sake, you sure don't want to date somebody who's not on the path. I don't believe in, what, what do they call it, missionary dating? That's like where Christian girls, you know, like go out and, and they fall in love with like hoodlums with the idea of like flirt and convert. That, that's their goal, like, like flirt and convert. They just go out and they find some rough old redneck, you know, heathen, fall in love and then they get it in their head that, you know, they're going to drag him to church and he's going to, you know, become a pastor, you know, or whatever. You, know, you understand? That's not how it works. I mean, right here, those who lead blameless lives, you want somebody who's on the path. You want to be on the path, and you want to find somebody who's on the path, who does what is right. We're talking about the general direction of a person's life. Now, it's very, very hard to predict what a person's going to do. It's very hard to predict what a person's going to become. I'm really not exactly the man that, that Casey Wilson married way back in 1980. I'm, I'm, I'm a different man. I've, I've changed, and, and she's not the same woman. We've been through a lot together. We've been through a lot separately. I mean, everybody changes. It's part of life. The woman had seven miscarriages. We raised a son. We sent him to college. We've spent... 24 years serving this congregation. We've lived in two different towns. I mean, we change. It's life. And it's hard to predict. And when you're dating, it's not always possible to completely know what that woman's going to become, what that man's going to become. But, but you know what? The, the past is actually a pretty good predictor that the past is probably more important than his promise. In other words, I'd pay attention to, you know, the past. If you really want to understand the, the future direction of his life, I'd take a look at the past direction of his life and, and just sort of learn from that. And I know everybody can change, but when it comes to dating, I'd be really, really concerned about the man he is right now. And let's just be really honest. If he shoved his last girlfriend up against the locker after homeroom, he's probably going to shove you into a locker too. I mean, this is how it works. We can all hope that people will change and we can pray that people will change. But I wouldn't go giving my heart to somebody on the promise that he's going to change when I haven't seen any change. I'm just being honest with you. We're talking about giving your heart away. It's awfully good to want to win souls and lead somebody to Jesus. But I don't think you use your dating life, you know, for evangelistic purposes. You look for somebody, a person of character, a person who's running after Jesus like you're running after Jesus. 
Somebody who speaks the truth from a sincere heart. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. You pay attention to their words. That's what it says. I mean, you can't really see inside a person's heart, but the Word of God says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So just pay close attention to what comes out of her mouth, because that'll give you a pretty good indication of what's in her heart. If she's running people down, if she's negative, she's criticizing and complaining, if she's always, always sour, that bitterness is in her. Pay attention, dude. It's in her. If you've got a guy that's just angry all the time, every time he opens his mouth, he's cussing, he's cussing you, he's going crazy, road rage, I'm telling you, all that comes out of him, it's in him. Be very, very careful, little girl. Be very, very careful. It comes out of his mouth because it's in him. Don't be deceived. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord. It's the idea of just honoring the people who deserve honor. And despising those who are despicable. I mean, in this world, everything's upside down. We have a society that seems to shine the spotlight on all the wrong people. We make heroes of people who are not heroic. We somehow lift up those who should not be lifted up. But I'm telling you, in the family of God, for the people of God, we really understand what's worthy of honor and what's not. Pay close attention to the guy's heroes. Who does he look up to? What does he honor? But it's that last part of verse 4 that I think is so amazing. This is the verse that I think is so critical. Those who keep their promises even when it hurts. Do you understand how important that is in relationships? That verse right there. Underline that. This is what you're looking for. You're looking for a person who can make a promise and keep it. And if we're talking about marriage, we're talking about a person who can make a promise and keep it until they die. And I just want to just, you know, tell you, not everybody in this world is that kind of person. Some people, their promises aren't worth anything. That they make a promise and it's not a promise. You can't trust it. You can't rely on it. You're looking for a person, the kind of person who can make a promise and keep it even when it hurts them, even when it's hard. This is relationship material. This is marriage material. And first off, understand, this is relationship material in God's eyes. These are the kind of people, this is the character traits of those who belong to the Lord. So don't miss that. This is what God is looking for. This is what Christ is trying to create in your own heart. But this is what you're looking for. This is what you're trying to be. This is what I was saying about it as a pastor where I feel like I spend so much time with people having marital problems. Maybe, just maybe, as a church, if we spent you know, at least as much energy in the children's department and in the youth department trying to teach young people how to have the Christian character which would make them the kind of grown-ups who could make promises and keep them till they die. I mean, maybe it's the way we disciple people. Maybe it's the way we train and teach our children. Because let's be honest, there aren't a lot of promise keepers in this world. Not even a church full here. Talking about a very rare kind of character here. A person who can make a promise and keep it till they die. 
And I, I'm not trying to beat up on any of you who have been divorced, any of you who have had failed relationships. I think if you've been through that pain, you should be celebrating what I'm saying right here. I mean, just think about all the hurt that you could have avoided if somebody had, had gotten to you or gotten to your spouse before it all fell apart and taught him how to be a promise keeper. Here's the thing. Among other lies you've probably been told in your life, love won't keep you together. I'm just being honest. 24 years of being a pastor, I've presided over a lot of weddings. I've also presided over a lot of divorces. I have never, I'm sure they're out there, but I have never, not one time, seen a couple get a divorce that did not say they love each other. Not one time. Again, they're probably out there, but I've never seen any that didn't say they loved each other. She'll say, I I'll always love him. Can't stand to live with him. I don't love, you know, I, I love him. I'll always love him. I'll always love her. She's a mother of my kids. I'll, I'll always love her, but I, you know. We don't have anything in common anymore. It's that sort of thing. I'm telling you, love won't keep you together. It just won't. It, it, it doesn't. It takes something else. You know what it is? It's commitment. Commitment is what keeps you together. It's commitment. What most people consider love, it kind of, it, it, it heats up and cools down. I mean, there are seasons of marriage, and there are seasons where it's, it just feels like red-hot romance, and there are seasons when it's, it's you know, not red-hot romance. And it's going to take something else to keep you together until that, you know, love comes back. I mean, and that something is called commitment. So why, why are we talking about this? I thought we were talking about dating. We are talking about dating. I'm trying to make you understand what you're looking for. You're looking for a person who has the kind of character that would help them commit. Understand, commitment takes more than a promise. It takes character. And character develops over time. Man, you, you date like a crazy person all these years? I mean, you just date and you, and you sleep around and, and then you just somehow find somebody you're going to get married and you think that you're just going to make a promise at the altar and then all of a sudden you'll live happily ever after? It does not work that way. It takes character to have a healthy relationship. And I'm saying that's what you're doing right now in these dating years, in these single years, in these growing up years, in these years of discipleship. Christ is trying to develop something in you. It's called character. It's the very character of Christ himself. I mean, in relationship with God, there's a change, there's a transformation, there's a holiness that starts transforming you. And I'm telling you, you're not going to be the same person. And because of that, you're going to be capable of a love and a relationship like you've never really imagined. But you're not going to do it without Jesus. You're not going to do it without surrendering to the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, it takes time to develop that. It develops with, with time. It, it's a process. And, and to be really, really honest, you've got to go through some stuff. It takes hardship. You know why most people fail in relationships? Because they don't know how to get through hard times. They don't know how to go through hard times. They, they just freak out. If the marriage gets hard, they leave. They don't know how to get through hard times. And I'm telling you, all of these things are the things that Christ will work in your heart. These are the things that Christ is growing and developing in you, but you have to let him. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Does this make sense? Commitment takes more than a promise. It, it takes character. you got to be the kind of person that can make a promise 
take somebody by the hand, look them in the eye, and make a promise that you will stay no matter what. And then you stay no matter what. To one or the other or both of you falls flat into the ground. You understand? Till death do you part. I mean, this is what we're talking about. But that character is something that Christ is trying to develop in you now in these dating years. It's not a status. It's, it's, a, it's a process. And in that process, Christ wants to do something in you. Understand? Commitment is very, very important, and, and, and I trust one day we'll all be better at making promises and keeping them. But in your relational life, this is critical. I love the last line, verse 5, such people will stand firm forever. Stand firm forever. Talk about a healthy relationship. What is a healthy relationship? Well, it's, uh, it's lasting. It lasts. It stands firm. You know, if, if you can't just stand firm in your own relationship before God, then you're not going to have a hard time staying on your feet with other people. You want to know the secret of love, dating? It's this. Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Understand? If you want to be successful in relationships, if you want to have healthy, loving, lasting relationships, then you have to focus on the Lord, the Lord God, who is himself love. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we all confess that we are not good at love. We do not love perfectly. We do not love unconditionally. We do not love our neighbors the way we love ourselves, Lord. We struggle. We are selfish. We don't always forgive. We don't always sacrifice, Lord. We don't always keep promises when it hurts us. That's why we need you, Lord Jesus. Because we do want to find a way to have healthy relationships, to love people and be loved by people, Lord. We desperately want to know love. So help us, Lord Jesus, to find that love, that true love, in the only source of love that there is in heaven and earth. And that, O oh Lord, is in your great heart. Let your love overflow into our hearts, Lord God, that we may know love, that we may know you. Help us, Lord, in our loneliness. Help us, Lord, in our desperation. Help us, Lord, in our clumsy efforts to be friends, and to find romance, to somehow enjoy relationships with those around us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to know what love is. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.